1: the Gospel of Matthew, we're in a section that we've entitled The King's Commission, and that's basically chapter 10 and chapter 11. We're up to chapter 11 today. And that's been looking at Jesus sending out his disciples to be witnesses for him, to serve him. And today we're going to talk about a servant of his who was not sent out by him, but sent out by God as a forerunner to him, John the Baptist. And it's an interesting story. John's in prison at this point. Remember, he, he was preaching against the king at that time, Herod, not Herod the Great, but his son, who had taken his brother's wife to be his wife, which was forbidden. And John was preaching against that, and he was thrown in prison. So he's in prison. He hears about Jesus. He's got some questions. And we're going to see that questioning today. And out of this passage comes something that if we don't stop for a moment and pay attention to it, we could easily miss what Jesus is saying here. Because he's going to address an issue in this passage that I'll just be flat out honest with every one of you struggle with. I struggle with it. And it's the possibility that we could get offended at God. What are you talking about, George? I'm not offended at God. He's God. He's God. He could do whatever he wants to do. No, I'm, I'm serious. Listen to me. You know, I've been walking with Jesus now for 31 years. 31 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, and I look back over those 31 years, there's been a lot of disappointments. There's been a lot of what I would say unanswered prayers or prayers that were answered that I didn't, they got answered not the way that I wanted them to be answered. Do you know what I'm talking about? And, there are times when you, you feel and you struggle with who God is. Why did God do that? Why did God allow that to happen? In fact, I wanna I just want to talk about that a little bit because what happens is is we get frustrated. So if you notice in your notes there, the first section is frustration before we look at the passage. Let, let's just talk a little bit more about this frustration. We believe that we understand how God works. That's part of the problem, is we we believe that we understand how God works. Because maybe when you got saved, someone came along, said to you, you know, and and, and they were and, and don't 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 be mad at them. But they came along and said, to you know, if you give your heart to Jesus, everything will be wonderful. If you just come to the Lord, everything will be great. And, and there's some truth to that. There is forgiveness and there is eternity with Jesus. But that's really a simplistic thing to say to somebody because that's really not telling you the whole truth. Because you probably realize that when you gave your life to Jesus, it seemed like the floodgates of problems happened. And difficulty happened. And what ends up happening is, is we develop this mindset of, of a God who, yes, he loves us. Yes, he forgives us. But he's always going to do what's right by us. And he's always going to make everything happen the way we want it to happen. Have you found out that that's not true? Hopefully you have. But the problem is is that when we find it out, especially if we're, if we're under that delusion, we get frustrated and we get offended. Do you understand what I'm saying? We get offended. So the reality is, is we believe we understand how God works, and and this but this brings out the second point here: we are devastated when God does not meet our expectations. We are devastated. I can't think of a better word than that. We are blown away. We are devastated when God does not meet our expectations. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've been pastoring for over 20 years now. I have, I have faces popping into my mind of people who. Once walked with Jesus, and then when they prayed and asked God to do something, he didn't answer him the way that they wanted him to answer. They're, they're no longer here. They're no longer in church. They're no longer, they're no longer, they were, they were devastated. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because they had a concept of God, and they got offended, and they're gone. And, folks, you know people like that. I know people like that. It's easy, isn't it, for us to get offended at God. Now, I I, I can't believe you keep saying that, George, because that just doesn't sound right. I'm just talking like a human being here for a moment. We get to the place where when our expectations aren't met, we get devastated. We get offended. Because we're human beings. Why not call it what it is? I mean, to if you want to act spiritual and act like you're above yourself, you're not being real. The fact of the matter is, is you and I get to the place where we're devastated, when things do not go the way we want them to go, when we expected God to do something and he didn't do them, and it's easy for us to what? Get offended. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment. You say, I'm still not comfortable with that. Well, what you're going to see is is Jesus uses the same word because he recognizes that the possibility exists for that to happen. What do you mean? Well, look with me at the passage. We're looking at chapter 11. We're going to look at the first six verses. Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John, the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You know what, this seems like a very straightforward, simple passage and like where are you coming from? Well, what, what, that last verse, verse six, seems almost out of place. Like you're going to send back a report to John that you're the one, and then you make this statement: "Blessed is he who is not offended because of me." What, what's going on here, George? What's going on here? Well, folks, what we have here is is I, I'm going to we can basically divide it down into two parts here. We're going to see in verses 1 to 3, expectations. John's expectations. And you and I, we can relate. Because you and I have expectations, whether you want to admit them or not. We have expectations about what God can do, right? Especially if you're going through a problem right now. You have expectations, because it's reflected in how you pray, of what you want God to do. All right? Everybody acknowledge that? Okay, we got expectations. But here's what I want you to see. Verses 4 through 6, we're going to see a call to faith. We say, okay, yeah, I've got these expectations. I want to believe. That's, no, that's not what he's talking about here, though. That's not the call to faith that he's talking about. What do you mean? Well, give me a second. We'll get there after a little bit. Let's talk about the expectations, first of all. I want you to notice with me, verse 2. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and, and said to him, are you the coming one, or do we look... For another, Remember I told you John's in prison. Now listen, I want you to understand. I mean, our county jail is a terrible place. All right, It's a terrible place, but it's the Hotel Hilton compared to what they're talking about prison. So he's in a dungeon. And in a dungeon in their day, they didn't take care of you. You had to have people come to you and bring food to you so you survived. Do you understand what I'm saying? What you ate is what your friends brought to you. So two of his disciples come, and obviously when they're coming to take care of him and provide for him, they're bringing reports of what Jesus is doing. So John hears the reports that, yes, the one whom I baptized, that I shouldn't have baptized, the one who I baptized, the one who I was a forerunner to, he's the one. So here's what I want you to see, is, is that with expectations, hope emerges as we hear the testimonies of how God works. So there's John. He's probably got hope welling up in him. I'm in prison for you, God. I'm a preacher of the gospel. And he hears the reports about Jesus, and he's like, he's the one. He's the Messiah. So hope wells up in him because he's hearing the reports. You and I can relate to that, can't we? Ever go through something, and you hang around church people, and somebody shares a wonderful glowing testimony about, you know, I was going through a money problem and uh, all of a sudden there was a knock at the door, and a doorbell rang, and I went to the door and at, and nobody was there, but there was this envelope right there, and it had two hundred dollars in the envelope, all I needed for my problem. And you're like, "Wow, God works in wonderful ways." And then you're like, "God, can you bring an envelope by my door?" Because the bill collectors, I got more problems than that person who got the $200. And you hear these testimonies and and you have people in church that'll tell you, and and this is what we do in church, and don't stop doing it, but this is what we do in church. God will help you. Just pray. God will help you. He'll be there for you. Oh yeah, envelope in my door, 200 bucks. Only I don't need 200, Lord. I need 400. So hope emerges when you hear the testimonies of people, don't it? It emerges within you. You can almost relate to John here. Hope emerges as we hear the testimony of how God's working. But here's the problem. There's still the issue of doubt. So he sends, look with me, verse 3. He sends his two disciples to Jesus with a question. Are you the coming one? That's talking about the Messiah. Are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another? What's that reflecting here? we still question who Jesus really is. So you say, is that possible, George? I'm saved. I've trusted in him. Yeah, I, I'm i going to tell you something. Here, I want you to understand me. Listen to me. Doubts are natural. It's what you do with them. Do you hear what I'm saying? Doubts are natural. It's what you do with them. If you want to write that down, write it down. Doubts about who Jesus is and what he can do in your life are natural. Don't ever think that you've got a problem if you have doubts. The problem is, is what you do with them. Because you will always have doubts. Until you go to be with Jesus, you'll always have doubts. Do you understand? And so here's John. He's hearing these reports, hopes there, but he sends these guys out, and the question is, are you the one, or do we look for another? What's going on there? Reality's setting in. He's got doubts. Because maybe he had expectations when the Messiah showed up, things would be different. He maybe wouldn't be in prison. See, it's all what you, see, here's here's the key thing I want you to understand. A lot of times the struggle we have is the concepts that we develop about God. The concepts we ourselves develop about God. And when he doesn't meet those expectations, we have doubts, We we wrestle. So we still question who Jesus really is. In fact, here it is. Doubt concerning Jesus is still evident. Doubt concerning Jesus is still evident. Hey, let me just stop for a moment. I want you to think about your week. Think back over your week. I can almost guarantee you that there are some in here that sometime this week, you faced something or you had something face you, and for a moment, maybe you pushed it out of your mind, but for a moment, you had, are you ready for it, a doubt. If you're honest with yourself, you'd say, yeah, yeah. If you're honest with yourself, you'd say, yeah, it happens a lot more than I realize. But, and here's what we do. We push it out. We push it out. But here's the thing I'm trying to tell you. It's okay. What do you mean it's okay, George? Well, have you read the Psalms lately? Have you read the Psalms? There's 150 of them. Pick one pick any of them. And what, what you'll see is when you read them, is that you're reading the psalmist expressing his what? Doubts. But he always wrestles with them in the psalm and comes to a conclusion that what? God, you are real. You are awesome. You will provide. You will watch out after me. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're laments. See, you have to process things. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how you... Can I tell you what? Doubts can help you grow. You want to write that down? Doubts can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And what we're going to see is, is the wrestling that John has here with his expectations is actually going to help him. What? Because I know the end of the story, and it ain't good for John. John. Yeah, but I want you to see what Jesus says. I want you to see what Jesus says. So let's look at the call to faith. Seems pretty straightforward. Seems pretty simplistic. What Jesus is saying here. What's going on here, George? Well, what we see here in this passage, in verses 4 through 6, is, is that Jesus, specifically verse 5, is quoting from Isaiah. He's quoting from three different passages of Isaiah. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 29. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 35. And then his final statement is from Isaiah chapter 61. Look at me what he says there. And, and Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, he's not quoting anybody there. He's just saying that himself. What's going on here? Here's what he's doing. By quoting Isaiah, Jesus affirms his deity through his works. He affirms his deity. He's saying to the guys, you go back and you tell John what you're seeing. And he quotes Isaiah. Now, Isaiah, the passages that he's quoting are messianic passages. They are passages that talk about the work of the Messiah. So he's saying to them, I am who I am. I am God. You go back and you tell John, I'm him. Believe me. See, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. That's what we're going to have to come to a conclusion about. That no matter how things turn out, no matter how your issue goes through, no matter what happens, you still have to come to a place where you still say in your heart, He's God, and I believe him. Do you understand what I'm saying? No matter if it seems like he's not hearing you or answering you or it doesn't go the way you want it to go, you still come to a place where you say, above all else, you're still God. You're still the Messiah. You're still my deliverer. You're still my help. Do you understand? He affirms his deity through his works. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus also states that not everything will happen as we want. What? Hold on. I'm up to this point here. I'm seeing what you're saying, George, but where did you get that from? It comes out of the quotes that Jesus made because he leaves something out. What? Well, I told you he's quoting from three different passages. I want you to notice the last part of what he says in verse 5. He says this. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. Well, okay, I got that. Well, if we go back to Isaiah chapter 61, he leaves out two other statements. If you look at Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. So this is the Messianic passage here. And this is what he says. To preach the good tidings to the poor. Well, that's what he said. But listen to the last two parts. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. Here's what he's doing, folks. He's telling John, go back to John and you tell him. And he quotes these passages from Isaiah. And here's what he said. Here's what John's going to notice. Because John, the ministry of who John is comes out of Isaiah. So probably John knew Isaiah pretty well. He's going to know that Jesus left off something important and what he left off is is that the prisoners will go free. Hence, he's saying to John, John, I'm the one, but you're going to die there because I'm not setting you free. That is amazing. See, this is what I want you to see. He also is telling John, not everything is going to happen the way you want it to happen, John. Not everything is going to happen the way you want it to happen. I am the one. And yes, the passage says I'm going to set the prisoners free, but I'm not setting you free, John. You're going to die there. See, listen, folks, I want you to understand me. This is something you and I have got to grasp in our Christian lives. This may save us a lot of grief, but to be honest with you, I still struggle with it. I've known this for a long time now. I've known about what Jesus has said here for a long time. I still wrestle with it. I still wrestle with the expectations who are not met. But I want you to understand, God doesn't do everything we want him to do. Do you hear me? Write that one down. God does not do everything we want him to do. But he's still God. Are you okay with that? See, this is where I'm talking about you being offended or not. Because we want him to do it all, right? But is it okay for God to say, for your sake and for the sake of my plan and Jesus coming back, I'm not going to do everything you want me to do? That's what's going on here. See, but, so let's just stop for a moment. This really gets to the heart of the question of why we struggle with God sometimes because you are going through it and you are pouring out your heart in prayer before God and you are begging, let's just say it like it is, you are begging him, God, I need you to do this. And he doesn't. doesn't it's not because he can't because he can right Kenny. but a lot of times he doesn't and let's just be flat out honest with you it's almost like the dirty little secret the elephant in the room you ever, t- you ever hear people talk about the pink elephant in the room it's the big hairy pink elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about And the big, hairy, pink elephant in the room is he doesn't do everything the way we wanted him to do it. And are you okay with that? That's really what's going on here in this passage. And I'm just going to be flat out honest with you because I'm human. I'm just like you. There are times when I'm not okay with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are times when I'm not okay. God, I needed you to show up. God, I needed you to do this. I don't understand. And you wrestle hard. And some folks, that's the breaking point for them. And they say they're done and they walk away. We've seen it, haven't we? You know, they say a lot of the -the dyed-in-the-wool-hardened atheists At the root of their anger towards God is disappointment with him. Disappointment. One other thing I want you to see here is what Jesus says. Look with me, verse 6. Now you understand why he says what he says in verse 6. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. See, this is the call to faith. This is what he's saying here. Jesus tells us not to be offended when he does not respond. He's telling us, don't be offended when I don't respond. What's he calling? He's telling you, trust me this is really moving you to another level of faith here that even though he's not going to do what you ask him to do, you're still going to what? Trust him. Okay, Jesus, I'm not happy, but I'm trusting you because you know better. I'm trusting you. See, this is what he's saying here. He's talking about blessing. Blessed are you who is not offended because of me. Because it's easy to get offended because of him, doesn't it? Because we have these expectations. We develop these expectations in our mind that God can do anything. And he even promises, I'll be there, I'll provide for you. Well, you sure didn't on that last thing. He tells us not to be offended when he does not respond. You said, boy, George, you said this was going to be deep. This is deep. Yeah, and sometimes we have to wade through the deep, don't we? Sometimes we have to wrestle. And may God, with our wrestling this morning, develop in us a greater love for him and a greater relationship with him. So what do we do with this? Here's, here's some things that I want you to think about. Number one, are you struggling with who Jesus is? And again, let me tell you, it's okay you just need to answer that. Are you struggling with who Jesus is? Well, you know, yeah, you know George, I am, because I asked him to do, and it, did. it seems like every time I ask him, it's not happening. Are you struggling? You just need to be honest with yourself? Because that's where it begins. Are you struggling with who Jesus is? Here's the second thing I want you to think about. Second question. Do you have expectations that Jesus did not meet? And if we're honest with ourselves, we'd have to say yes. Isn't that true? We had expectations about a marriage being saved. We had expectations about kids coming back to repentance. We had expectations about God providing or God healing. And he didn't do any of that the way we thought that he would do it. Do you have expectations? So, what do we do with this? Well, here's what I want you to pray. Here's what I need, what we need to pray, what I need to pray, what you need to pray. Ask the Spirit to help you to choose to follow Jesus in spite of everything. Keep following him in spite of everything. You say, I think you're asking a lot, George. I mean, if he can't help me in these basic things, why should I trust him? Why should I follow him? Because we do it all the time in other areas of our lives. What do you mean, George? Well, I want you to think about it for a moment. How many of you have ever had a parent, you went to a parent, you knew the parent could help you with this, but they chose not to. Ever had that happen? Mom, Dad, I need you to help me. And they chose not to, right? Did you write them off? No, because I had this other thing I needed to talk to them about. But how quick are we to write off God? God. And let me just stop for a moment. A lot of times the reason why our parents didn't do what we asked them to do is because of what? They knew better. They had our best interests in heart, even though we weren't thinking at the moment. They saw things that we didn't see. I mean, yes, I was 20 years old and I thought that I was the smartest man in the world, but now I'm 50 and I realize that I was dumb. But they knew I was dumb even though I thought I was smart. Do you know what I'm saying? God is the smartest. He is it as far as intelligence. His foolishness makes, Scripture says, our smartness look like stupidity. See, we've got to ask the Spirit to help us to choose, and it's a choice you've got to make to follow Him. In spite of everything. What do you mean by everything? even when he doesn't meet our expectations. So the words of Jesus, what he says here in verse 6, almost come alive for us, don't they? When he says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.